Today on Locked On Red Wings, the final roster is out. They're down to 23 players, and Almer Soderblom has made the team for now. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio, and Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And uh, so we talked a lot about it on Monday's episode, and then the final rosters did indeed come out, and we were pretty much spot on. I, I think we did fail to take into account that Seth Barton was on that final round of cuts but he was injured pretty much all preseason. And you can't cut a guy who's hurt, but you can place him on IR. So he was a guy we failed to take into account of that would just go on IR. So actually, when we talked about how they needed to cut two people, they only had to cut one person. And that one person ultimately was Bianca Batuka, who they released from his amateur tryout, which kind of stinks. I wanted to see him get an ELC. I like the way he played, but Grand Rapids is already going to be carrying nine defensemen. So they let him go. Elmer Soderblom, Scotty. Is a Detroit Red Wing? It's crazy, eh? Like this is this is easily the biggest the biggest storyline of anybody who made the team, right? Like the biggest storyline of the preseason was obviously Simon Edvinson, but this this is this is comfortably the biggest story out of all the players who made the Detroit Red Wings roster, and it's not even particularly close. This is a dude that coming into the preseason, like when we were looking at when prospect tournament started and then like training camp started and like red and white game was going on, we were like, Hey, he's looked like pretty good, but like, you know, he'll be down in grand rapids this year, get some experience on North American ice. And then he'll, you know, we'll see him maybe at the end of the season or maybe not even until next year. And he has looked phenomenal. And we've talked about it pretty much every single after every single preseason game and during this fall like he, he has looked phenomenal we see all the intangible stuff he brings and yeah he is going to be one of the most watched and like cared about players on the team and he's probably going to be on the fourth line which is like crazy but um yes yeah, like awesome story super pumped and yeah I, I i can't wait it's awesome no it is absolutely awesome if you would have told me coming into the preseason scotty that Simon Edvinson was going to be center Grand Rapids and Elmer Soderblom was right. going to make the roster right. outright. I would have yeah, called you crazy. In fact, I was under the assumption that coming over to North America this season, Elmer Soderblom was a given to make the Grand Rapids Griffins while Simon Edvinson was were. a little bit more of an iffy. I, I would have leaned more that Edvinson was going to make the Red Wings roster. Because remember, at end of season availability, Steve Eisman talked about Simon Edmondson and almost seemed to imply, or maybe not imply, but maybe I just inferred it because I want, I was projecting my own hopes and dreams onto the situation that Simon Edmondson was more than likely to make the roster. But here we are on October 10th, as a recording this in the evening and Elmer Soderblom, the sixth round pick is a Detroit Red Wings. Simon Edmondson is in the Grand Rapids Griffins. And there's nothing wrong with Simon Edmondson going to the Grand Rapids Griffins. He needed it no, and like he needed it. that extra year. But the fact that Soderblom, is on the NHL roster is just 
so shocking and also so exciting because of all the things we've seen from him in the preseason. Yeah, you know, I I don't know why this analogy popped into my head, but bear with me. So when I was in the fifth grade, okay, and like... Off to an interesting start, okay. Well, no, 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 just hold on. When I was in the fifth grade, when we first learned about probabilities, okay, my fifth grade teacher had this giant poster that she had on the whiteboard and it had it was a meter just like a whatever thermometer or whatever but it was just like a like a bar and at the far left it said impossible and at the far right it said certain and then in the middle it's i don't remember what the wording was for right in the middle to be honest but there was like not very likely then there was 50 50 we'll say then there was very likely and then there was certain and Soderblom this preseason has gone from like if you would have asked me in July like during free agency and like we're getting all these you know we had a pretty active off season after the draft after free agency and everything I'm looking around I'm like that's not even on my radar like he's like he it's maybe impossible is too dramatic but like that is not even in uh, on my radar of things that could be possible. Was Elmer Soderblom making this team on a camp? And then, like, prospect tourney comes around, like I said earlier, and, and he starts doing well in the beginning, and you're like, we talked about it. We were like, it's still unlikely, right? I think we said, like, 20% or 25 I forgot what we said, but we, we put a number out there, and we were like, yeah, like, it's not likely. It's, it's not over 50% chance, but, like, you know, he might. Like, he's looked really good. And then I think after the last game of the preseason is when we really looked around and we were like, this dude, it's not a guarantee, but this dude might mess around and make this team. Yeah. And now, like, here we are. And we'll talk about the implications and, you know, if he's a sure thing to stay on the roster and all that. We'll get to that as the show goes on for sure. But, like, it's just it, – it's a super cool moment and – I I can't wait to watch him go up against other NHL level talent and just like showcase all of the, the just, he's a unicorn and like objectively that being on the NHL roster is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, so let's just take a moment, Scotty and soak it in and enjoy the fact that Elmer Soderblom is on the Detroit Red Wings. All right. You ready? Fourth, fourth line. You think though, take your moment. Take your oh, moment. okay. It's over. Okay. Okay. Here's the catch. Yeah. He might not be on the roster for very long. Right. For sure. Uh, <laughs> because we talked it's about true. it yesterday. There, you know, we weren't sure if Sunquist was going to make the, be able to ha- be healthy on game number one. Currently the Red Wings are carrying 14 forwards and seven defensemen. Jake Wallman is skating, but he's in a non-contact jersey. He's starting the season on the IR along with Seth Barton, Pissick, uh, Robbie Fabry, all the guys we knew about. So they get seven defensemen, 14 forwards, two goalies for 23 players. As soon as Sunquist is healthy and he can be ready to play, you're looking at Valeno and Soderblom as the odd man out because of the fact that they can be sent down. And I know we, we've preached all offseason here that it's going to be a competitive roster and the one who deserves to be played the most will play. But, I mean, if he's not getting consistent third or fourth line minutes, I mean, who do you push out? We talked about it. Adam Ernie, maybe Oscar Sundquist. I mean, it's just 
there's a lot of competition on this forward line. And I feel like your best option in this situation is to send down either Soderblom or Valeno as your 13th or 14th guy. Cause it doesn't make sense. And Derek alone, he had a press conference prior to media availability where he talked about it. They're not going to play. They're not going to keep Soderblom or Valeno up at the NHL roster unless they're getting consistent minutes. Cause that's just bad for your development. So the question becomes, is Soderblom just making the NHL roster flat out because they're not sure if Sundquist is going to be healthy enough to play in game number one, which I think is a very valid question because of the fact that he it's very iffy. I think if Sundquist is ready and healthy, you could see Soderblom get sent down um, before game one or after game one. I, I don't know how long-term Soderblom is going to be here. Yeah, no, that, that that's the the very much the elephant in the room, and I think that goes back to a conversation we've had a lot this preseason as well, which is the difference between. Uh, I, I'm not trying to like be Captain Obvious here, but like the difference between the front office's job and and the coach's job, right? Because like in a perfect world, you would like Soderblom to just get legitimate minutes at the NHL level and get legitimate playing time. And that would be that. And then he could develop that way, but the coach and the coaching staff is that's we're trying to win where, and we had this conversation earlier in the preseason too. This is no longer the, the rebuilding Red Wings where, you know, Oh, if a young player can get more minutes, we'll do that and prioritize that over a veteran ever. Like, no, it's just straight up going to come down to who's the better matchup that night and, and who should be playing that night. And if that's not Valeno or Soderblom uh, on on most nights, then yeah, it, it it just makes sense to send them down. And that's where that mindset changes so much when you're coming out of a rebuild and trying to put the actual best product on the ice night in and night out. It just might not always result in, you know, the young, fun prospects getting legitimate playing time every night. And yeah, you're right. If they're healthy, then why are they here? I, I'd much rather they get playing time as we all should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're going to continue this conversation as we kind of transition into uh, Derek Lalone's thoughts, as well as the practice lines that were that the Red Wings had today during, or I guess Monday, by the time you guys are listening to this at practice and just kind of further try and get in the head of Derek Lalone and Red Wings management as to what's going on. But first I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough. Chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus it is healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are one only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It will be perfect for a treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate cookie dough, chunk, chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides ton of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are doing the right thing. When you buy cookie dough chunk puffs, whether you need a snack for your workout, a light, a late night treat, or just grab a quick bite built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat and sugar. Grab yourself a built bar, go to built.com. Use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. 
Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Um, the practice lines were really interesting out of uh, the Red Wings practice on Monday, and they're just practice. So I guess you could consider it the first practice of the regular season at this point. Um, but they, it's just, let me get right into it. I, I'm not, no preface, just I'll read them off to you, Scotty. I want to get your, your, your thoughts on it. So obviously you have Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, easy. Perron, Cop, Vrana, easy. But bottom six again is where it gets really interesting. You had Soderblom, Rasmussen, and Sunquist, And then Kubalik, Suter, and Ernie with Valeno and Zadina rotating in. Valeno and Zadina were your 13th and 14th forwards in this practice lines. Now, again, they're practice lines. They're trying new things. But holy crap, Soderblom, Rasmussen, and Sunquist is a big line, a big <laughs> third line. And we just talked all first segment about, you know, Soderblom potentially only being up at the NHL level because Sundquist might not be healthy. But this line directly contradicts that because they're playing on the same line. Which is probably why they practice together. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, for starters, give me that line with our first pairing defensively and just destroy everyone. That's what, that's what I want to see. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot of we, – we've talked about it all preseason and all – even the offseason leading up to the preseason. Like, the, the top six is pretty set in stone. We know what we're going to get, and we know what we're going to see. The bottom six is where it gets super intriguing, but honestly fun. Like, that, there is there's a lot of different line combos down there. I'd have to imagine <laughs> that – I, I, honestly, it would not shock me if Rasmussen and Soderblom, like if that part of that was was pretty frequent. Maybe maybe fourth line instead of third, but like that that wouldn't surprise me if that was a, a used you know two thirds of a line relatively often at the early, or at least for as long as Soderblom is up. I think that there's a lot that you can do there, and I I think that having a fourth line right like. What are you? How much production are you really expecting out of a fourth line? And if you just made it massive, like that, because <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that that could be a game plan. It could be something cool to work on. Um, Zadina being the extra skater, I, I looks absolutely nothing into at all. I, I think it's just practice. Um, but with that bottom six, like where does Zadina fit in with that? Like the, the just you can create a million different lines with the bottom six there and it's really fun to kind of mix and match well and so that's exactly what it is is they have 14 forwards so they're experimenting with a bunch of different lines and let's face it a Soderblom Rasmussen Sundquist line probably was really appetizing size wise to see if they could get generate any chemistry with that kind of size but Lalone did talk about the fact that both Valeno and Zadina were the 13th and 14th man. I mentioned it a little bit in the first segment about how Lalone doesn't want to keep Valeno and Soderblom up if they're not going to be getting a ton of minutes. Like that's, that's, right. they need minutes to develop. But he mentioned that Zadina was really in that 13th, 14th role in this practice because he had noticed at times during preseason, Zadino, or Zadino, wow, combine their names. Zadina was trying to do too much, trying to make moves where he didn't have to make moves. And then in the defensive zone would sometimes look a little bit lost. So while you said there's not much to look into, I disagree. I think that this is kind of an indictment on 
what Lalone believes Zadina is how he's performing right now. But it is also shocking to me at the same time because through our eye test, Zadina and Valeno made up two thirds of the second best forward line that the Red Wings had all preseason in Kuba League, Zadina and Valeno. They were absolutely great all preseason. That was that looked like it could be a bona fide great third line, and now they're both the 13th and 14th forward. And I mean, this could just go down to this is why I'm not an NHL coach, you know. But seeing them be the 13th and 14th guy, and again, it's practice. A lot of it is probably just experimentation in the end. That's probably like 75% of it. But it was like, wow, they're having Valeno rotate in and they're having Zadino rotate in when they were two-thirds of a really strong line during preseason. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're – I just am so much in the camp of – I think this has much more to do with Lalone wanting to experiment with other players. And like, like 75% oh, of it at least. Right. I want to try out this line with these players. And then like he wants to try out the top six and the bottom six. He wants to mix and match, like I said, and try out lines with these other players and see if there's chemistry amongst other people. And then when he made those four lines, there was two guys left over and that's who it was. That's literally all I, I personally view it as. I, I don't. I don't take this with even a grain of salt. I, I think that that's um, it's it's much more of an indictment on what he is trying to experiment with with other players than it is any indication of like the type of role that Zadina is going to have. Like like Philip Zadina is not going to be like healthy like night one or something like that. Like I I think it's just practice and he's just experimenting. Um, and yeah, I, I I still think that he's looked really good in the games. <laughs> like we, you know, too. we don't we and like that's I guess maybe that's where a lot of my confidence in the fact that this isn't uh, act like a, a reflection, a direct correlation to uh, the the role that he's going to have. A lot of my confidence comes in that. But um, but yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it was interesting to hear Lalone say that because I thought that Zadina had played fairly well in the preseason, but he clearly, the problem with us as a viewer is we get caught up so much with watching what's happening with the players that have the puck that sometimes we forget to look at what happens with the players without the puck. And that's where guys like Derek Lalone shined. And he said it, I mean, in the, uh, media availability prior to the 5 PM deadline that, at times, Zadina looked a little bit lost in the defensive zone. It's one of the reasons why he's rotating in. So, you know, he's seeing a lot more than we are. And that's that's what his job is. Because if, sure. if we're noticing things he's not, then what are they paying him for? <laughs> um, when we come back, we'll just kind of dive a little bit more into the few remaining comments that Derek Lalone had in that press conference, as well as talk about the defensive pairings from that practice lines, because we didn't get into that. But uh, as soon as we come back, we'll get into that. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. So the defensive pairings for practice, and the reason why I didn't really need to get into it too much is because they're pretty self By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Oh yeah, because he did limp off during practice. I didn't see any. I've been on, I've been scrolling Twitter looking. I don't. And I, I don't think either. I've seen it. We're recording this at like seven o'clock on Monday. I don't think that uh, there has been yet. But yeah, he took. I think somebody said he took a puck to the ankle. Yeah, and, and then like off hobbled the off the ice, and like obviously you're not gonna, you know, hobble off and then come back on the ice for that. So whatever, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just something to keep an eye out for in the coming days, I guess, if if there is an update. Hopefully it's just like, yeah, you know, just a big bruise and he'll be fine, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, defensive pairings for the practice were pretty self-explanatory, exactly what you would expect. Sherat Sider, Olimata, Philip Ronick, uh, Gustav Lindstrom, and then Robert Haig, because you know, Haig's coming back from injury and they sent Edvinson down. So that's going to be your bottom pairing more than likely. Osterley is going to be rotating as the seventh uh, D man. He was on the ice practicing with Jake Wallman, who skated today with a non-contact Jersey as he continues to recover from a shoulder injury. And uh, that's, those are your, that's, that's your D guys. There's not really much to talk about. Sherat Sider, Mata Hronik, Haig Lindstrom, and then Osterley as your healthy scratch most nights. Yeah, I, I, well, we we've seen the top pairing coming from from a mile away. That's one that we talked pretty much immediately after the Sherrod signing. We were kind of all over that one, and like that's going to be the top line. But um, I'm really, I'm really pumped for for the second pairing. I'm like really pumped for the second pairing. I I, I really like Mata a lot. Uh, we like what Hirona can do def- or uh, offensively. We like what Mata can do defensively. I think that that's could be a really productive and like good play on each other i'm actually really excited to to see that pairing in action so that's really my only takeaway but it's not new like i've been excited about that you know you and i've been talking about that since we brought mata in so um but yeah yeah no all all as expected pretty much and then so of course i've been mentioning it all episode but Derek golone did speak prior to the or the 5 p.m deadline to finalize rosters and one of my biggest takeaways is he's like I don't know why you guys get so excited about this. It's so fluid. <laughs> Which is, is yeah. kind of right. Yeah. I mean, they're they're literally Soderblom or Valeno could straight up be at the NHL level for a game. Like that's like a real like possibility. Like they could be up for game one and that's it. Now, I, I still believe that making the NHL roster at the end of first cuts, like right out of the preseason is still a big deal, especially when you're a waiver exempt dude, because I think that that indicates you will be the first. You you earn that spot, right? You, you will, you, you will be the first backup if an injury happens or, you know, at the deadline, if we're selling again and the trade happens or whatnot, like those will be the first dudes that are called up. So I still think it's a really big deal. And that's why I'm I'm still very excited about it. I'm, I'm not trying to to deflate any excitement, but I I mean there's a very real possibility between those two dudes that one of them is gone, you know, within 48 hours of our first game, I think. I I think that's a realistic thing too. I hope not. I want to see Valeno and Soderbaum both find a way into this roster because I think yeah, that they both. It's not. It's that's not impossible. Like I'm not. No. You know, it's not. It's far from a guarantee that either of them or or one of them is going to get sent down afterwards. But um, and, and we have no clue. You know, the, that injury timetable is is uh, kind of all over the place, depending on who you ask as well. So, I mean, there, there's a, a a ton of different possibilities, and I still maintain the belief that it's a it's a big deal to make the first roster, but. Yeah, it, it might it might be it might be short lived for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and then he also talked about the decision to send Edvinson and Bergeron down, and he spoke more about Edvinson than Bergeron for sure. Um, with Edvinson, he just spoke about pretty much the th- same things we noticed is that there were some things that he noticed were really good, but some things that he noticed that Edvinson had to work on. And I, you know, we've mentioned it plenty of times our listeners have mentioned it plenty of times people on twitter have mentioned it plenty of times but he's only 19 years old 
and has only had one professional hockey season underneath his belt. So this extra year of development is just going to further benefit him. It was not an indictment on what they think of him, but because they still think very highly of him, but just wasn't ready yet. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple. I mean, we, we, like you said, we talked about it a lot. We talked about the fact that um, he was very much swinging back and forth from like both extremes of, oh my goodness, you know, I don't think anyone else on the roster except maybe Cider can make that play to, oh my goodness, that was really a, a pretty bad slip up. And, and he's going to have the, the biggest, you know, microscope on him just because of how highly regarded and highly touted he is and everything. And all of that put together is uh, gets us to where we're at. So yeah, still like thoughts on the future have not wavered and should not waver whatsoever. I think it's the right move. And honestly, like I said, I, I think I expect, I really do expect him to be playing games in a winged wheel by game 82. Absolutely. I agree with you, man. Uh, so the last thing I got for us on this episode, because we've covered pretty much everything, uh, is that in case anyone was wondering or doubted, the three players that were on waivers when we talked on Monday have all cleared. Uh, that deadline was at 2 p.m., so before the cut deadline, it was Giovanni Smith had to be Giovanni Smith cleared as well as the two other gentlemen who were sent down at the same time. So the three guys that we talked about all cleared. Yeah, Giovanni going to Grand Rapids. Um, yeah. yeah, tough. I didn't think he'd get picked up. I mean, I'm glad he didn't. But it it's just uh, we. I mean, we talked about it. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole again, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I think looking at who did make the team, I'm I'm not sure there's really an argument that Giovanni deserved a spot over anybody who did make yeah. the team. So hopefully again, like he'll, he'll with being as old as he is um, still being pretty young and, and having NHL experience. If, if you know, the locker room does get bit by the injury bug, he will uh, he'll, he'll be called up for certain. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll play some games at the NHL level this year, but to start the year starting off in GR, which I'm fine with get him some more playing time, maybe get him some more, uh, tools in his offensive set because that's really the only thing holding him back right now all right i'm all done you got anything else buddy um little a little shorter episode on uh today but a little slower news i'm trying to think i don't think so i'm just like i i the biggest thing that i keep thinking about is just lines like i i just keep thinking about like all of the different lines and and like the third and fourth lines that are going to come out of this um, I don't know. I, I trust, think that, trust Derek. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. And, and uh, like, yeah, I, I didn't mean that in the sense of, you know, that, that I'm afraid that he's going to put out <laughs> bad ones, but there's just so many different possibilities. Like there really is. And, um, I don't know, like, uh, Valeno and Soderblom on the same line is kind of fun. That huge line is unreal. I mean, Michael Rasmussen alone, like being able to play wing and, you know, like line up in center if they want him to, like Pew Suter getting back into the mix in the third line is presumably like there's there's just a lot that, that can happen in that bottom six. And I'm I'm excited for it. I, I think the possibilities are endless. And I think in the first two, three weeks of the season, probably you're just going to see a million different line combos down there at the bottom, which is awesome. 
it's going to be fun to see and interesting to see how this works out. Um, just chemistry wise. Yeah. You talk, you, I don't need to repeat everything you just said. You summed it up very nicely there. It's going to be, you know, we talked about how we hate the Jeff Blaschel line mixer, but this is very much a season where you're going to need it early on in that bottom six to kind of figure yeah, out. But the you don't Blaschel want to continue thing, to do it. Yeah. The, the, the Blaschel thing that drove me mad was Blaschel's would happen mid game. And like when we were winning, and they would like it would drive me nuts, dog. Like we would be up two one halfway through the second, and all of a sudden the third line is just different. And you're like, "What just happened? What is why 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 are we doing this? What is going on?" Like that's what would drive me up a wall with Blashell. Um, I I think this one, and I'm not saying there won't be mid game adjustments. I'm sure there will, but this one is more at the beginning, like more. I don't know, intentional. Yeah. Not that Blash. Oh, it has worked, to be done. But, you have but, to do this. Yeah. Like this is more like we, we need to figure out who the, the bottom six on this team are going to be on, on a consistent basis. And hopefully if you mix and match a ton at the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, uh, you'll have some more solidified stuff. So I've never been more excited for the bottom six on a hockey team. I know. I, I know. And like Just the I competition even, is so insane. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, we didn't even really talk about um like where Zadina fits in down there too I, I mean I don't know like uh like a Suter Zadina Soderblom line I mean that's like Soderblom in the third that's like a, a kind of a big step up I guess but like that could be cool you could throw Rasmussen on the wing there I don't I mean like Adam Ernie somewhere in there I don't know there's there's just a ton there's a ton and I'm really excited about it yeah man I'm right there with you it's we're as of recording this we're four days away Three days of three days away by the time this airs. Like, I can taste Almost. it. Almost, I can taste it's right it. Right there, it's right there. So, all right, we'll be back with a new episode on Wednesday as we get closer and closer every single day. Same time, same place. It's your team every, every day. day.